What is happiness? That's a toughie. You just, you feel good. Contentment. A warm gun, according to the Beatles. That's a hard question. <laughs> An emotion that can easily come and go. Happiness is the smell of my kid's hair after a bath. Happiness is the feeling of contentedness. It's a choice. But if you live in the moment and accept life as it is, that you will find happiness in just about everything. Welcome to Choose Happy Podcast, the show where we talk about, investigate, and sometimes even experiment with what makes us happy. I'm Kate, the eternal optimist. And I'm Sarah, the cynical realist. Let's get started. All right. Sarah, we had some homework. We did, Kate. What was our homework? It was to embrace the discomfort. That's right. In something you dislike. Okay. And to try and find something positive in it, I believe. So how did that go? Uh, I did a few things, actually. That day... I promised my friend I would help her with her six-year-old's birthday party. Princess tea party, to be exact. That with sounds horrible. It, Yeah, with nail painting, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so there were like 10 little children in princess dresses screaming. And I... I can't, like, I can't say that I enjoyed it, but I did consciously choose to try and see positive things in it so uh the first positive thing is there was another mom there helping and she was lovely so I met a new person that was interesting the second thing was there was a kid there oh my god that made (laughs) me appreciate my own kids so much more really that yeah so yeah um and I think that's it there was good food also which I ate so I did embrace the positive things of that negative experience, and I didn't hate it as much as I normally would, I suppose. That's great. Uh, The second thing that I did, I embraced um, the second thing that Elijah was talking about, which was his need to engage in physical activity every day, which I hate. You know, you're always trying to talk me into exercising, and I am resisting. But I have exercised every day since that birthday party. Wow. Yep. That's seven days in a row now. Yes. Actually, that's a lie. I didn't do it yesterday, but I did do it this morning before I came here. Wow, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, Still don't like it, but... It's good for me, so that's positive. <laughs> and are you are you are you aware of the feeling of not liking it while you're doing it? Less. Okay. It gets like I know that it gets it goes away each time, but I mean the more that I do it, the less I hate it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just getting into a routine, I guess. And how's that feeling after after the exercise? You feel good? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Not as good as after I drink some wine. (laughs) I read a headline, which makes me an expert on this topic, this week about how having a hot bath has similar, a similar result as exercise in terms of the anti-inflammatory and pain relieving and endorphin response in your body. So I figure if you combine the wine with a hot bath, Hmm. it's probably the same. I doubt it, but I'll try it. (laughs) (laughs) Report back. So... What did you do that was uncomfortable this week? I didn't seek out discomfort because I was in a ton of discomfort as it was. I have been in a ton of physical pain this week, which is nothing new for me, but it was bad. All of my joints hurt. My head hurt. My body felt sluggish and just wasn't performing even close to optimally. And because my job is such a physical job, I just had to keep going and power through. So I got to be very, very, very aware of the discomfort that I was in and embrace that and sort of explore that feeling. Hmm. Um, And that's really similar to what Elijah was talking about last week, talking about his physical training where he beats himself up to to explore that feeling of pain. This, I didn't beat myself up per se, but I still just got to explore that a lot. Uh, There were a couple days in my training where I would just stop and meditate and pay attention to those feelings. Sarah's laughing at me a little no, bit. No, I'm She not. can't keep a straight face when I say meditate because she thinks I'm a hippie, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm not. I'm just interested because I'd like also, because I've been exercising, I was in pain this week. Yeah. So I'm just curious, I'm curious about what you mean by you are like meditating on the pain. So what do you mean? Okay. So <laughs> that looks like 
I'm in the middle of a really big workout or I'm in the middle of doing some technical martial arts training and my body is just not responding the way that I want it to. I can't focus on anything because of the pain in my body, around my joints, that kind of thing. I should talk to a doctor. Anyhow, I get that. Um, I understand. I'm working on it, folks. You sound like you're 50. Go ahead. I do sound like I'm 50. I I think I have the body of like a 50-year-old. That is the way that it responds. Not true. Anyhow. Um, A couple times this week, I've actually chosen to stop training. And instead of powering through, because my tendency is to ignore the pain and keep going, Mm -hmm. I wanted to embrace that pain. So I sat down, I closed my eyes, and I paid attention to what in my body actually hurts And what does that hurt actually feel like? So while I'm sitting there, you scan through the body and I go from top down and like scanning through my face. Does my face hurt? No. Does my neck hurt? Yes. Oh my gosh. Where in my neck? And I sort of scan down the body. And by the end of it, I understand where all of that pain is. I I have acknowledged it. And then I can keep training. And while my body isn't functioning any better, the mental aspect of the training and the mental aspect of being in pain is a lot better. Okay. So, I don't know. Do that with your wine in a bath. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that goes. Um, what else? I have in my notes here, Sarah is taking mushrooms. <laughs> I am. Um, not what you're thinking. It's... I, I was on a trip a few months ago and sort of... A mushroom trip? N- no, but good one. Uh, <laughs> a trip for work. And I was... I sort of broke down... Uh, with the the coworker that I was on this trip with and said like I just feel like I can't think like I can't read anything I can't concentrate on anything and she recommended because she had felt similarly um, in the past and she takes lion's mane and red reishi I don't okay. know if those are the how you pronounce it because I'm not used to going into those kinds of stores which is <laughs> funny for our guest yeah um but I like feel way better so what I what I really think about is you asked me not me sorry you asked Whitney what if her mind was a room what would it look like right and she said it was without a hesitation she said it was white with no corners and then later I asked you the same question and you said something very similar and I thought holy shit like the immediate thing that came into my head when you asked that question was like my classroom in like a hoarder's dream like with shit (laughs) piled around me and me just like rocking in the middle of it like not knowing what to do and and but taking these things uh these mushrooms just for even a few days like it just gives me clarity and I don't feel like I all have all these things in my brain all the time and I can just focus on things now. So that's really great. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, cool. And you have something else to talk about. Yeah, so my chiropractor slash voodoo witch doctor, he's not actually a witch (laughs) doctor, he just has been healing me for a long time, had a chat with me this week and kind of said, hey, Kate, is there is there a possibility that you're overtraining? And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. But here's the thing. So I, a couple of years ago, made a conscious choice to utilize exercise as a happiness technique. Okay. Doesn't matter what kind of exercise it is. I'm just making a choice to be active every day. That snowballed into this incredibly active lifestyle that I think my body isn't ready for yet. And mm. so... One of the reasons that I've been in pain so much, I think, is just because I've been overtraining and overexercising. Because what, what was happening was I'd wake up in the morning, I'd do like a 60-minute workout in the morning, I'd go to work two hours early, I would do a workout and a warm-up there, I'd do my technical training, and then in my classes with my martial arts students, I would also be doing the workout and doing some of the training. So it was many, many hours a day. That sounds crazy. It's so fulfilling, and I love it. But I think when when my chiropractor said that to me I kind of went oh yeah he's right and I need to think about this a little bit more and I need to be really aware of that but it it's interesting because this this happiness technique this thing that I've been told my whole life is so healthy for you and this thing that I've been trying to get you to do Sarah mm-hmm. um 
does have its limitations and you can't do it all the time and it can't be your number one coping strategy. And it was really interesting because I've realized that it has become my number one and only coping strategy. So to balance that out, I bought some chocolate on the way here today. And this week when I'm sad or feeling blah, I'm going to have the chocolate and then I'll work out and let's see what happens. That's a good idea. You Mm -hmm. should consider mushrooms also because my happiness level has increased. Has it really? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I do. And that does does that have anything to do with the fact that you're on spring break, or do you think that's well, just the mushrooms? It's pro- that's I don't know. See, there's so many variables in this scientific experiment. We are I'm- so science around <laughs> here, folks. I'm not working right now. I am exercising every day, and I'm taking mushrooms, not illegal ones. Um, <laughs> so it could be a combination or any one of those things. Interesting. I do take mushrooms. I take, um, I have a powdered form, so you mm-hmm. mix it in water and then you drink it and it tastes horrible. Ugh. But it's a mixture of ones that are supposed to be good for immune support because I'm working with a new group of oh, kids okay. and they're like, I watch them. We'll have we'll have a coach's corner where I sit and I chat with them, the whole group of them, and I'll, I'll see six of them picking their nose at any one time. That's and then disgusting. I'm touching these kids. So not weirdly, but I'm, I'm throwing jab crosses with them. I'm adjusting their punches and it's Ugh, it's so gross. Anyhow, I do take those, but I don't know a whole lot about the lion's mane and the red rishi. Luckily, our guest today is a little bit of an expert on mushrooms, the legal kind, and uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about that. So please welcome Malcolm. All right, Sarah and I are here with Malcolm. Hey, Malcolm, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for being here today. For sure. Um, Malcolm, if you were to give us your elevator pitch, your dating profile for the world, what would it say? How could oh. we sum up you in a nutshell? Oh, man. Okay. I, I, I always think in terms of professionally. So okay. I'll give you that one and then we can jump off and explore other things because, yeah, immediately when you say like elevator pitch, I mean, I've, I don't, I'm not on dating platforms or anything, <laughs> so I don't have that all pre-crafted and prepared. That's fine. Uh, but for me, um, yeah, I help, pe- recreate, uh, I help people recreate their relationship to food. So show people how they can uh, craft their own food and medicine and really understand food and nutrition for their own betterment. That's, that's my journey and my path. Professionally, it's obviously a big part of who I am in my personal life as well. But uh, if I were to choose one word that's my life is kind of about and defined by, it would be freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, and and we're going to get into this. I, I know you told me this show is all about happiness, you know, hence the name, hence, mm-hmm. you know, why anyone would be listening. <laughs> um, I think for me, a big part of finding my happiness is is through freedom. It's it's kind of ironic. We're in a school uh, doing the, <laughs> the interview here. School was one of the worst, you know, experiences of my life. Really? In, in the sense that it felt like a prison to me, you know, like elementary school. Don't get me wrong. That was fine. That was fun. There was lots of recess. There was lots <laughs> of like outdoor time and games and field trips and you know special projects but then once you know junior high it was like wow like this isn't so fun anymore um and then high school was just hell I thought um not because I was an outsider not because I was like I wasn't the cool kid but I was you know I wasn't you know I was liked I Mm -hmm. had lots of friends so it wasn't you know socially that way it was just not what I wanted to do (laughs) at all Uh, and it felt like a prison to force to be there and learn things I wasn't interested in and I developed a lot of patterns um, you know anti-learning you know how could I get by with doing the least amount possible (laughs) I'm sure you uh, see lots of students in that that mode you know what I kind (laughs) of I kind of really like those students though and I connect with them a lot because those are the students who don't put up with the bullshit of playing the game right you know they're they know their path they know that school is not for them and they've figured that out at 15 16 and I think there's something really heroic in that for me um, because so many so many people are just in the machine yeah you know what I mean yeah no it's true and yeah awesome that those those kids have found that out because there's there's such pressure as you know right it's all about going to school getting good grades to get a good job blah 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 yeah yeah, and I, I knew I wasn't going to fit into that that model. I mean, the, the tough part is, you know, who am I and what do I want to do? That that becomes like then the bigger question, mm-hmm. right? Okay, if you're not going to follow this straight and narrow path, um, how are you, you going to do it? And, you know, I received a lot of pressure from my parents, you know, like, how are you going to make money in this world? <laughs> what are you going to do with your life? What, do your, what did your parents do? 
Uh, my father's an accountant. Okay. Um, so yeah, very kind of, you know, detailed to the books, um, kind of corporate, wonderful man, really mm-hmm. deeply connected to nature as, as much as, as he's, you know, been connected to the office, uh, worked a lot. I would see him on the weekends, but generally he'd then weekends were his time to go out into nature to hike this and that. So wow. really developed those strong bonds with him and connection to nature through those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me, that was that was what was real about life, you know, like to be in a room under fluorescent lights and this kind of, you know, box. Uh, yeah, didn't want to be in the box anymore. Mm-hmm. And nature was kind of where my heart sang. And I obviously I found other avenues as well. Music was a huge thing for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did you start playing music? Well, um, first time I ever tried drumming, uh, I, had, <laughs> I had an uncle who was, a, who was a drummer who inspired me. And so I was a, a young lad. Uh, I'd visit him over, him over in Scotland and he, you know, sit me behind his like massive drum kit. This was like in the 80s. And he had like, you know, the huge, you know, drum kit and all the cymbals and this and that just over the top uh, as the 80s was in so many ways. Uh, so I remember getting to experience that. And then I went home, came back to Canada. And I was like, Mom, I'm going to want to take lessons. So I took lessons. But I didn't actually take lessons. I was just a mischievous kid. Anytime the instructor would like, you know, okay, just let me go grab that book for our lesson. I'd like run back out into the store and like hide amongst <laughs> the records. And, <laughs> and it was only a half hour. So you do that a few times during a lesson. And, you know, and then he'd come back in the room and I'd like run up behind him and start drumming on his back. And so <laughs> needless to say, I didn't get very far at that stage. I was just too young. Uh, so it wasn't until I was, I believe, 13, I bought my first drum drum kit for 50 bucks from a neighbor I painted the old uh, John Bonham like Trinity uh, circles on the front nice uh, it was blue it sounded terrible but <laughs> I loved it and that was that was the start for me so and did you stick with drums I did yeah I sticked all the way through um, that was kind of my yeah my passion my hobby was uh, was playing music so drumming just jamming in the basement with friends and so when that big question came you know what are you going to do with your life what are you going to do after high school uh, my parents did have um, like a, you know, post-secondary fund for me. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I went to uh, jazz music school and I, oh, yeah, studied uh, drum set and percussion. Yeah, that's it's really a great cool. program. It was in the arts campus and that's where I enjoyed school. I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, like yeah. everyone was doing what they loved, right? We had, in that arts campus, we had uh, dance, we had theater, there was music and it was just a good, good scene. I mean, there were still the electives that I was like, ah, do I really have to take this course? You know, mm-hmm. English, what am I going to do with English? <laughs> but, he says to the two English teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny actually uh i one of my electives was i took marketing and i absolutely like hated it at that time and now it's actually one of my like passions i, I love love the idea of marketing i was going to ask you about that because you market yourself frequently and very well i see you on social media all the time promoting your business and promoting health and wellness in the world um how how did you find that you love that yeah, well, it's just a shift in perspective. Um, you know, back in my early days, I resented marketing like, oh, they're just trying to sell me something, you know, but <laughs> if you can look at marketing as helping solving other people's problems that, you know, us as individuals, we each have our own unique voice and role to play and solutions that we can provide. And someone out there has a similar problem to you that you've figured out mm-hmm. And marketing is um, just finding that person and yeah so you know where where is this person where might they be um do they hang out the same coffee shops are they you know you know on the same social media and just presenting information and and it's it's more about permission based now it's like you offer it up someone might find you and then they choose whether to engage or not i mean that's really how it is now whereas in the past it was like you had no choice you're watching tv Mm -hmm. eh, insert advert ah you know like (laughs) cartoons where did you go exactly (laughs) yeah that's cool. probably the most honorable description of marketing I've ever heard. Right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's this whole new <laughs> paradigm. Uh, I used to be very kind of anti-capital, anti, anti-business as well. And, you know, actually business is one of the greatest uh, forces of good that's happening right now. Interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Again, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's about finding solutions to to problems, be it you know environmental, be it whatever it is. Uh, of course, absolutely, there's a lot of business practices that aren't good that have contributed to a lot of the problems, but. Uh, we vote with our dollar, right, as consumers, and that's one of our most powerful uh, ways to, to change the world. So right. supporting companies that are proactive in areas that we want to see move forward, mm-hmm. 
yeah, be it environmentalism, animal rights, uh, what have you, we get we get to choose, and it's up to us as consumers to really educate ourselves and know what we're contributing towards. I like that. I am voting with my dollar at the light seller a lot these days. <laughs> <laughs> Good we chocolate. We did go there yesterday. Yeah. Oh All my right. gosh, the chocolate is amazing. Can yeah. you just just to satisfy myself and the listeners out there who love chocolate, can you tell us a little bit about your work with chocolate? Because this is a big thing for you right now, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it's a big thing my whole life. Uh, <laughs> ever since I first tasted it, ever since I got pocket money, it would just burn a hole in my pocket. I couldn't wait to uh, you know get down the, to the corner store and I'd buy five cent candies and chocolate. And hockey cards. Those were the three <laughs> things I'd spend all my money on. Um, so, yeah, always loved chocolate. And uh, as I got deeper into food and nutrition, uh, it became a bit of a disconnect for me because I got really extreme into it. I When I get into things, I get into them 110%. Mm-hmm. So this idea of, you know, going healthy, going whole foods, I made everything you could possibly imagine from scratch um, at one point from about 16, 17 onwards. So... Uh, I just grew up eating, you know, standard American diet, junk food, fast food. My mother was Scottish, so she prepared like meat and potatoes. That's, <laughs> that's why I ate. And then when I started to make my own choices around food and nutrition, uh, yeah, I was, was learning a little bit and I was like, all right. You know, I went from knowing how to make pop tarts and grilled cheese and pour myself a bowl of cereal to going like, hmm, how do I make salad dressing? Could I make myself soup today? Um, right. You know, we all got to go through that transition as, as you know, young adults to taking responsibility and controls but again I, I got into it super deeply and I wanted to make everything from scratch like bread I mean crackers you name it I didn't need anything out of a package for a number of years because it wasn't what I had made or someone I knew had made from mm-hmm. scratch whole foods mm-hmm. except for one thing chocolate chocolate <laughs> I had no idea so I had these like super high ideals of oh I don't eat white sugar blah 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 but I would scarf candy bars because I just love chocolate too much um, so later I realized I was like ah I can actually make chocolate myself and I can make it amazing and in, and in the ways that I want and love mm-hmm. and as I got deeper uh, and, and you hear about it more and more like the health benefits of chocolate like science continues to keep coming out with you know everything that it's good for and thank God for that and yeah. what is it good for well when he, so before we get into that here's the question okay. is it in the cacao bean which is where chocolate comes from or is it in the Hershey's bar that goodness Mm. right Mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm. it's going to be in the cacao bean as close as we can get to the whole food that's where more of that nutrition more of that goodness is so that's what i'm inspired about is like making chocolate from scratch it's super easy it only takes two three ingredients and you can make your own chocolate like kids can do it grandmas can do it it's super awesome it's fun it's Mm. it's delicious and lovely um but wow what are the health benefits we know antioxidants is is one Uh, a lot of heart healthy compounds these flavanols that help uh, reduce you know blood pressure uh improve the cardiovascular system um you know they've shown it to help uh, improve memory in you know aging so yeah there's aging well and there's just feeling good right so one of the uh chocolate's very interesting it's very deeply complex food chemically mm-hmm. it's actually one of the most complex foods we have no way yeah definitely of anything we commonly consume it's the most complex just from a flavor perspective it has three times more flavor compounds than wine huh. so it's a big thing i'm into now is like this like you know tasting chocolate yes. as we taste wine as we taste scotch there's like deep those deep notes you can really explore mm-hmm. um so yeah uh so it's very complex two kind of compounds and we know it's it's one of the greatest like antidepressants right it's it's a mood uplifter mm-hmm. enhancer and the great thing about it is you never develop a tolerance to chocolate meaning it always takes just that one little bite hmm. it's oh. not like oh to feel good again i need to have you know 10 chocolate bars now because right oh that's so true isn't that interesting i hadn't thought about that yeah it only ever takes that one hmm. bite so we just need to eat chocolate to make us happy <laughs> we can end the podcast now yeah <laughs> no more search we got it that's right yeah <laughs> So I think there's something to be said for the the indulgence of it, for the act of going out and getting yourself a really awesome chocolate bar, mm-hmm. savoring that chocolate bar for whatever reason. You've had a crappy day, you've had a great day, whatever it is. I think there's really something powerful in that too. Yeah. And so if you're making and supplying really quality chocolate for people, I mean, that's... That's a service that you're doing for the world. I truly believe that. Not just because mm-hmm. I've had every kind in your shop, but because <laughs> I, I really, truly believe that there's something so, so special in that. Yeah, And so for sure. indulgent. 
Yeah, and you're right. I mean, chocolate's so associated with ritual and self-love mm-hmm. and self-care. And yeah, choosing the best quality and just having that moment with it is, is, is a good thing. So it does also have um, precursors to neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, which are those feel-good chemicals, mm-hmm. um, of which our body kind of, we fluctuate. Um, you know, the serotonin, dopamine, they kind of cycle through our body and then they diminish. Otherwise, we'd be high and happy all the time. And although that sounds great, you know, life is, is beautiful because of contrast, those ups and those downs. One thing chocolate does have is something called MAO inhibitors, which uh, inhibits the breakdown of those chemicals. So they, they stay in your body just that much longer oh. and circulate through and, and make you feel good. The other thing is it's got anandamide. And uh, if you're into yoga, anyone listening, you might recognize that term ananda, which is sa- Sanskrit word, which means bliss. Yes. So it's literally the bliss chemical that interestingly enough fits into your THC receptor sites in your brain. So there's a there's hmm. a kind of a bliss uplift that happens with chocolate from that. And if that weren't enough, there's so much more. But one more thing I'll just mention here is okay. something called phenethylamine, and this is the love molecule. Hmm, hmm the love molecule. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's this is the reason why I think there's that statistic. Is it nine out of ten women that prefer chocolate to sex? can't remember exactly if it's <laughs> nine or ten or <laughs> well, not that close to the mic kate sorry <laughs> so i'm wondering if we can talk about mushrooms oh sure yeah because i hear that you're an expert on this and kate tells me that mushrooms are like the big craze right now and i have just started taking some things because i'm crazy and scattered and overwhelmed all the time so my friend suggested lion's mane and red reishi yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely um so i want to ask you like are the benefits real like because it's expensive right so have you seen oh absolutely for sure so you got you could there's so many different types of uh mushrooms Mm -hmm. and you know the the first that i was exposed to were obviously the you know the ones that you might find at your local high school psychedelic ones uh that was my first experience and and like wow like that's so powerful for blowing your mind open and shifting your paradigm uh i think you know that those are powerful tools and and i wish in our culture we had more of a healthy relationship around those types of Mm. substances um i don't think they should be banned but i think they should be really honored and, and revered and used properly and appropriately uh with with guidance um yeah. So anyways, you have your kind of psychedelics. Then you have your culinary mushrooms, uh, things like, you know, portobellos and white buttons and brown buttons. And they do have some medicinal benefits, but they're more really about the flavor, right? Mm-hmm. Porcini mushrooms. There's there's so many. And in the world of like culinary gourmet mushrooms is vast. And it's not everyone's flavor, not, re- not everyone's taste. Um, the world of medicinal mushrooms, what you're talking about is, yeah, exactly. It's a big kind of upward trend. It's amazing. Um, what's old is new again. These, these fungi have been around for thousands of years. And in fact, the oldest intact specimen of a human was, is Otzi the Iceman. Uh, he was found, uh, I can't remember the period uh, that he lived or existed in. But anyways, long, long, long time. And he was actually um, found to have a little bundle of like this little medicine bundle on him. And he was carrying couple different types of mushrooms so for thousands of years we know that humans have used uh, mushrooms as as food as well as medicine Mm. so yeah things like reishi mushroom is you know famed it comes out of the orient uh like chinese tonic uh, herbalism in fact it's one of their top herbs that's used in that Mm. system and it's said about reishi that there's more research on that mushroom than any other herb in the world So peppermint, ginseng, nettles, you know, whatever it is, there's been more research, more studies and the literature it's out there. And again, you know, it's been used uh, for thousands of years. Something like the Chinese herbal system is probably one of the most sophisticated herbal systems uh, from around the world. Every culture does have a herbal system. You know, uh, the Amazonian, obviously they didn't write things down, you know, like it's, it's, it hasn't been encoded that way, mm-hmm. uh, but the Chinese have, and it's very sophisticated. And it comes out as one of their top herbs out of thousands of different plants and herbs. And I mean, not just plants, you just think about their perspective of herbs is they define a herb is anything that shifts the state of the body. Right. So they consider, you know, ant a herb, ants. 
Hmm. It has a can physiologically shift how your body functions and it can boost it in a positive way. Huh. So, anyways, reishi mushroom, um, many different kind of subnames of it, like the the mushroom of immortality, for instance, oh. is is one of its names. So, it's known to uh, help increase longevity. It has actions on many different systems of the body, like the cardiovascular system being one, the nervous system. Um, my friend, uh, Dr. Terry Willard, who's actually been written a book on reishi mushroom, he's, he's got a little tagline. He says, it helps protect the academic from their own mind. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that is exactly what, I feel what you like need. when I take it. Yeah, so wow. it kind of gets yeah. you out of that like busy head. That's and it, totally it. So mushrooms are very grounding, right? If you think about, I mean, they they are. They're in the earth. They very they have that very uh, earthy, like grounding quality. And then the reishi too helps you know bring one in, into one's body. So that again, that grounding, but then also into one's heart. And oftentimes there can be that conflict between head and heart. You know, and gut, right? These mm-hmm. these three kind of intelligences that we use to help navigate through a world. We place such a high predominance on our kind of thinking mind and brain, the the rational side. But then there is that intuitive uh, side, following one's gut, one's heart. Um, still totally worthy, but less acknowledged in this world. So Reishi is a good one for for doing that. Wow. Yeah. So, Malcolm, you are clearly so knowledgeable about chocolate, about mushrooms. Like, you, we've been talking to you for only 20 minutes, and I feel like we've learned, <laughs> both of us have learned so much. Just so I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your journey from going from the 16-year-old with anti-learning habits right. who hated being in this learning institution at all to being someone who's gathered so much knowledge, and now you're disseminating this to other people for your benefit and for their benefit. How did you get here? Yeah. Okay. How did I get here? That's true. Uh, I think once I could, once I finally left high school, I was like, "Woo, I'm free." <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt too. Yeah. And then I, I got to choose. I was like, "All right." You know, I didn't have that immediate pressure of like, "Okay, you got to go get a job," because I would have resented that just as much as going mm-hmm. to school, uh, being forced to do something I didn't want to do. Which, by the way, that's my answer for how to find happiness. Yeah. Is uh, the freedom to choose to do what you want to do. That's an expression of who you are. And to get to do that every day. Hmm. Um, Okay. So I got to choose. I went to um, college for uh, jazz music studies. And then it really became about me. Of like, okay, how, you know, how much... Am I invested? Do I want to succeed at this? And it was my own initiative. So that was the beginning. I used to, I was crazy. I used to practice hours and hours a day. Like if I wasn't on the drums playing, practicing, I was listening to music, you know, fully just like deeply immersive, obsessive, again, 110%. Um, And then after that, it was very interesting because I stopped playing music. Hmm. Because after I realized, I was like, oh, this didn't quite, this wasn't quite it, you know? And, um, you know, as much as I love music, yeah, I really began to question and needed to put down the drumsticks. So then I went traveling, I picked up the backpack and I started hitchhiking around. So yeah, again, that idea of freedom, just, uh, teacher of mine, he has this term, the golden threads, you know, what are those golden threads in your life and, and just following them. So mm. from high school, I the music was my passion. I followed that golden thread. And then it led to this other one of, of yoga, meditation, exploring spirituality. And I was really inspired by, you know, the, the monks and the yogis I read tales of. And I was like, ah, this is it. I want to I wanna live that life. <laughs> so I literally, this, I uh, went through a period of a number of years. Uh, I describe it as my experiment with being spiritual and homeless, uh, where I lived out of my backpack. And I hitchhike around um, North America. I traveled the world, uh, living and, you know, serving in different yoga and meditation centers. Right. Um, and, yeah, I think just in in... in attempt to kind of find myself shall I say um what did I want to do I thought it was music and that didn't really lead to it um yeah so did that for a couple years and then I met I would come back to Calgary once in a while like Mm -hmm. family was here and uh through that whole time from 16 uh, health had always been a really big golden thread because I had become a vegetarian at that time thinking you know oh here's how I can save the world I mean you you can watch the documentaries you can read the books um which you know that whole time it took me about 12 years as a vegetarian to realize I'm not meant to be a vegetarian (laughs) (laughs) and that's not an entire truth that 
it is the perfect diet at all. Um, it's it's a half truth. It's it's part of the picture, and and we can talk about that or go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but anyways, so uh, when I first became vegetarian, my you know health took a nosedive. It mm. did not go well. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, and then that really spurred on then you know the inspiration to try and figure it out prepare food from scratch that right. kind of thing um so that began and that continued for a long time and my health never really felt that good as a vegetarian despite <laughs> you know the depths that i was going to with food nutrition and ultimately it's just not the right diet for me nor i think for most people um so during the whole yoga meditation thing yeah there's always this thread of food so if i was um you know staying at a at an ashram i typically my area of service would be in the garden or more likely in the kitchen right. so you know preparing food for the community that kind of thing so i was developing those skills and trying to you know figure it out reading books on the side etc and i was back in calgary i was working at a health food store and i met my uh soon-to-be wife and it was one of those things where I, I'd never dreamt of like ah oh, when I when I meet her I will just know we'll fall mm -hmm. in love but that's kind of how it happened it it's was like weird how that happens yeah right? yeah it was like oh wow we're gonna spend the rest of our life together and I just knew that in, intuitively um, so yeah we we left Calgary went traveling we spent six months in India Nepal and um, she didn't tell me this until after, but literally since the day we landed every single night while we were in India and Nepal, she had recurring dreams of coming home pregnant. <laughs> Turned out this dream came true. Wow. <laughs> so at that time it was like, oh, here I am. This like, you know, homeless meditating hippie. Uh, <laughs> I've got a baby on the way. What am I going to do here? Yeah. And it really became one of those kind of like, uh, you know, you know paths in the in the road where I was thinking well I can take a couple of courses and get steady work as a baker because I absolutely mm -hmm. loved you know being a vegetarian I wasn't I didn't really eat vegetables I was I was more of a carbitarian <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like bread sugar pasta you know that kind of thing um not sustainable but you know my my love was in baked goods so mm -hmm. I was like oh maybe I'll become a baker uh or I could study nutrition and who knows where that'll lead to so golden thread of of nutrition I, I took a formal course to kind of build on everything I'd, I'd learned myself and a lot of that was um, directed to becoming a consultant sitting down with someone one one-on-one -on -one, okay what are your nutritional problems let's figure it out right. um, I didn't see a future in that for myself I don't love the one-on-one -on -one, and I can see now that's just not who I am uh, I like the one-to-many speaking to, to right. groups and so I got inspired, uh, this idea of, of teaching classes, um, teaching people how to prepare foods from scratch, how to make your own chocolate from scratch, how to get into fermentation. Um, so essentially like the why and how of nutrition, food and nutrition, uh, introducing people to medicinal mushrooms. That's great. You know all about it and you can take it as a capsule, but how can you then integrate it in as your day to day? So right. that, that's really what I'm inspired to do. And, and so as I started teaching, well, I'd be like, well, where do I get red reishi? Where do I get, you know, cacao powder, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And uh, I'd been living in Arizona just prior to that at a raw food retreat center and had a lot of connections I developed uh, for sourcing of food. And yeah, when I moved back to Calgary, uh, I couldn't find any things that I was into, in, in especially in the quality that I knew existed. So I would start importing them for myself, for a couple of friends. And then if I teach a class like, okay, yeah, I've got a little bit of reishi, here you go. Uh, and then two weeks later, someone would be like, oh, uh, I'm out, you know, like, do you got some more? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll open up a little kind of store in my basement. And so we would open uh, on a Sunday once a week. People would come by. I'd often have a class during the day as well. Um, and I'd be making chocolate, too, because <laughs> I had that, that passion. And so people would come by and once a week but again you know then it was a Wednesday and so I was like well I couldn't come on Sunday I'm in the neighborhood you know can I come on by <laughs> and uh yeah so we did that for about a year and a half and then we were like okay we gotta you know wanted to create a little bit more separation between the house and the family sure plus there was a bit of a barrier I mean it was like you know everything spread word of mouth but they'd be like yeah you gotta go to this dude's basement you go around the back you knock twice he'll get you the goods <laughs> yeah to be honest i wouldn't do that <laughs> exactly, exactly right yeah so we decided to formally uh, open a store which was which is never a dream but it's been born out of just that education and that teaching and and just making 
foods and products available. Right. So, yeah, I, I guess I mean, that was a hugely long-winded question to how did you go from, you know, hating learning to, to learning uh, self-motivation of just trying to A, figure it out. Like health was a big motivation because mm -hmm. I, I knew I could feel good. And I knew I could do it in a way that was in alignment with my ideals. Again, this idea of in environmentalism. Um, you can eat meat and be an environmentalist. I'll just say that on the record. You know, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, have absolutely. to be a vegetarian. Um, so that was a big motivation just, just to learn, just to figure it out. And then, of course, to, uh, you know, to make a livelihood. You know, I've had... Longest I've ever held a job was nine months. And I have avoided jobs as much as possible. It's kind of the thing you do when you, you know, rather be doing something else, they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so again, there's that thread of freedom. Like, how do I get to be who I am, live how I want to live, and still provide? Because we live in a society where, you know, it, it is. There's an exchange of money. And as we talked about, a shift of perspective of uh, marketing and business. I also have a shift in perspective about money. Money is neutral. It's not good nor bad. I used to think it was evil. Mm -hmm. um, it can be used for either or, and it and it's neutral. And I th I truly believe we're paid in directly directly in proportion to the good we contribute. The more problems you help solve for other one for for everyone else, the more you'll get of whatever you want in life. Mm -hmm. So, how can you solve more problems? Right, like Steve Jobs you know or bill yeah. gates right yeah. like look at the problems they solve for so many people and the products he made available um yeah versus someone else that sits in their basement and just complains about life right like sure yeah yeah absolutely um i have a couple small questions and all right a bigger one okay <laughs> i've always wanted to know this okay when you are traveling the world as a homeless hitchhiking hippie or however you said it, yeah. can you just show up at an ashram somewhere and say, I want to work here? And, and do they say, okay, sure. Or do you have to plan that in advance? Uh, it can be a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time I did it uh, planned ahead. So okay. I'd be at one and I have a kind of an idea of where I wanted to go next. Okay. I'd send him an email or it was a phone call at that time <laughs> um, <laughs> and say, hey, I'd love to come. And yeah, sometimes there was space, sometimes there wasn't. Okay. And then there's other, depending on the system, there was another uh, I was into Vipassana for a long time mm -hmm. and you could just show up at those okay so for all of our non-hippie listeners what is an <laughs> ashram <laughs> right Not yeah everyone's everyone's read or seen eat pray love Sarah except for you okay what is it <laughs> all right so it's it just a it's a place dedicated to shall we call it spiritual practice okay yeah, and and there's a whole different you know spectrum of them. Some of them are just yoga, some of them are meditation. There's all different practices, um, but yeah, generally it's a it's like a retreat center. Where, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're just run by regular people. It like depends. It, are they in it for profit or? It yeah, it depends. Some some are, some aren't. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry for mocking you, Sarah. <laughs> I actually so know what it is. I just you know. You wanted well, to clarify for the listeners. Learned, so some other people might not know either. Thank you for being aware. I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. And it's being a good host. There's, <laughs> there was someone else listening that was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Your other little question. Oh, yeah. I forgot my other little question oh, because I was so busy mocking Sarah. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to know. So uh, you've got a kid. How old is your kid? Uh, 12. 12. Okay. So. Is happiness something that you talk about at home with your family? Is this something that you mm. that you are developing a language for with your twelve year old? Right, good question. Um, I think in a, in a small way it comes through. Um, once in a while, it's probably a conscious like, oh, this would be a great time to you know insert that learning moment. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think generally it's more. I think most of all, it's just you know who who you are and who you're being, mm -hmm. and uh, passing that on every day. But I, I do agree. I, I like how you phrased it. You know, like developing that that language and that communication around it. So it does get in there. Could probably improve upon that. But I think she's only just maybe just entering into that stage. Right. I think as a child, right? I mean, ten and under, you're just in that just total world of like ah bliss everything's happy and <laughs> you know the emotions you kind of go through them very very quickly and they're yeah. they're mostly mostly up right and you have it down it's just like 10 seconds later you're like everything's all good again <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely as as we get into kind of that pre-adolescent adolescent you know that stage I think you do you know it's like mm -hmm. you get more into the complexity of of your emotions and I think that's where the that real valuable uh, tool of having the the language yeah. and you know the awareness and having that communication so 
as a as a meditator and as a spiritual person is that something that you've integrated into your family life and something that you that you chat about with your daughter yeah um so <laughs> when i first met my partner um you know again i, I was really extreme i i you know <laughs> i get into things like I'm, I'm what's called a maximizer you know just like yeah, yeah 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 um so she was curious she was interested and she kind of jumped on board but she's like man this guy's extreme like it was just too much yeah. i was literally like from anywhere from four to 14 hours a day i was like sitting meditating wow for that period of time um and that's that's unsustainable you know like there's the rare person that's going to become a monk and you know like that's their path and and how they're going to develop themselves in this world it was good for a short period of time for me um and at that time of course i was like this is it this is how i'm gonna live um <laughs> but there's there's the real world and and there's life and and you know this idea of like yoga there's yoga on the mat and yoga off the mat right, right? and it's great you can go in and be all, all peaceful but as soon as you get out and you start cursing and swearing and you know like That's, don't look at me kate <laughs> <laughs> <That's me. laughs> you know how, how can we bring what's called the more that like equanimity you know like that balance of mind uh into your everyday uh so yeah i don't formally sit and meditate anymore it's but i developed um you know so much of that kind of awareness that that was the goal was to be able to bring that into life right where you're like oh you can kind of just there's this intuitive reflex of like oh i'm reacting i'm i'm getting into stress mode you know how can i just recheck in internally and and just like it's all good very cool yeah I wish. <laughs> I'm working on it. Oh yeah, it's we're all we're all working on it. It's, it's, it's hard a to be that aware when your body is in stress and when your mind is starting to get into stress. I find it very difficult to be aware of that. But the more practice you have, I think the easier it gets. Yeah, That's and what I'm finding. and there are things that are helpful, like red reishi, like chocolate. Right. You know, like so. There's lots of tools out there that we can we can use, and I've just chosen to focus on how food and nutrition helps or hinders us right mm-hmm. food can help you or hinder you help uh, heal you or harm you right and uh, how can we make the best choices to to create that alignment so that foundation is set and then you can work on you know whatever it is your your state of mind your passion your you know whatever you're bringing to the world but that that part's good and, and clear <laughs> I like it yeah. so Malcolm you said that uh, to you happiness is the freedom to I wrote part of this down the freedom to um, follow what it is that you want to do that's an expression of who you are. Yeah. Every day. Every, oh, every day. I wrote it down too. Sarah yeah. wrote it down completely. All right. How did, you, how did you come to develop that philosophy? Uh, I think I've always like intuitively known it. Um, but it, yeah, it's just been a journey and a, a journey, you know, both in like the highs and the lows, the struggles to, to get there, to mm-hmm. get to that place. Um, so yeah, feels good. And, and just as I reflect on my life, like that's, and coming into this interview, that's what makes me happy. You know, we could talk about family, we can talk about nature, you yeah. know, these kinds of like really obvious things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, that's, that's really key and foundational is, you know, I've, I've been in that prison of school. I've been in that prison of like the job that I didn't want to work, but I had to at a certain time. Um, yeah, and I just feel so much more alive and, in, and inspired when I'm working on what, what lights me up, right? When I'm, when I'm inspired about. And I think that's, you know, this idea of like we got to work on our weaknesses, I, I think is wrong. I think we got to follow our, our heart and our, and our strengths, you know, and our passions. And, and that's where we'll, we'll make the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that comes back to that learning. When it was something that I was interested in, that I cared about, that uh, was going to make a difference for me in my life, then then I was more motivated versus mm-hmm. being told to. <laughs> <laughs> being told that you must like Macbeth. Right, yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I, I mean, there's there's always a time and a place. It's like the yin and yang, you know, a little bit of dark and the light in, in yeah. each, uh, where, you know, sometimes suck it up. You just got to do what you got to do. It's just part of the path. It's not all like, oh, just got to follow my bliss. It's all like rainbows. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I think think it can be most of the time but sometimes yeah you just gotta hunker down you gotta get up early or stay up late or do something you don't necessarily feel like and that that can be just as part of the learning as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that 
How do you um, suggest that people become more aware of that true inspiration rather than just following hedonistic tendencies and going, well, what I want to do right now is eat a whole bunch of arrow bars and then watch Netflix for 14 hours because that inspires me. Right. Yeah. I think a big part of it is, is how are you helping? How are you contributing? Right. Mm. That's a pretty self-indulgent thing to do. So like maybe coming back to that money, you know, it could be a motivator. Well, how do you make money? Will you help solve problems for other people? Um, Problems that people want to pay to have solved as well. So thinking about, I mean, our world is full of problems. There's lots of them. Just pick one. (laughs) Pick Uh, one and help. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and pick one that's in a realm that you're like, yeah, you know, like I could be inspired to do that. I could get into that. That's in my alignment, my passion. I mean, if you told me that, you know, our world's problems lie in computer programming, I'd be like, uh, you know, like <laughs> what? I'll next <laughs> choose something else. Yeah, right. It's yeah, just yeah. not even within my my realm or sphere. Um, so I, I think that's, a, you know, what people need to follow. Like find those golden threads. Lis- yeah. Listen to your gut listen to your heart that intuition and, and follow that that's awesome thank yeah. you sarah did you have anything else no no okay no. uh we do need to wrap we're hitting the longer side of the podcast which i love this has been a great discussion but before we wrap sarah and i have a question for you all right um we're asking all of our guests to give us a practice a happiness practice right. to utilize for the next couple of weeks happiness homework if you will oh so could you please prescribe for sarah and myself some happiness homework, a practice to try for a couple weeks, and then we will report back in our next episode. All right. So you will eat one piece of dark chocolate per day. This is the best <laughs> happiness homework, Malcolm. I want you on here every week. Yeah. I agree. And eat it mindfully, right? So we'll come back to that PA, that phenethylamine, that love molecule it's described as. So uh, when you fall in love, your body naturally produces this PA, this phenethylamine, so these feel-good chemicals. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in chocolate. And it turns out that if you eat chocolate mindfully, you let it melt in your mouth, we have receptors in the top of the roof of our mouth for that absorb this PA and it goes straight direct into the brain. Whoa. So this is the science behind, you know, that, that sensualness of chocolate, letting it melt in your mouth, having that moment, that self-care that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Um, there's, there's a lot in there. So choose the best highest quality if you want to make your own or you add mushrooms to the chocolate yeah you can you can get it all in one very cool thank you so much Malcolm this is great homework this has been a really really great interview thank you um, before we wrap do you how, how do our listeners find you how do they get involved oh, yeah, with you? For sure. Uh, you can find me. I have my own website, malcolmsaunders.com, M-A-L-C-O-L-M-S-A-U-N-D-R-S.com. Okay. <laughs> There's also The Light Cellar, T-H-E-L-I-G-H-T-C-E-L-L-A-R.ca. Okay. So that's the little store we run in Calgary here, a little in Bonas. It's where you can kind of uh, find and learn how to craft your own food and medicine. So we offer classes. We have over 2,000 different unique products that most you won't see in any other store. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an elixir bar. You can come for a mushroom tea. We sell chocolate uh, that we make in-house, fermented foods, all this good stuff. And so. it's delicious. Yeah. 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 Go it there. It is so delicious. Right, so. If you're in Calgary or if you're coming through Calgary, please take a trip down Bonus Road and check it out. I cannot recommend the light seller enough. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we've got great. lots of learning online. There's, we have a YouTube channel. You can, like you said, you can find us on social media at light seller or the light seller. You'll find us and Super. lots there. We'll have all of that in the description of this podcast too. So listeners, you can just click through. All right. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Yeah. Right on. Thank you. Choose happy podcast is produced by us, Kate Marlowe and Sarah Kay. We're amateurs, but we're getting better at it every time. If you like us, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd rate and review us on iTunes. Our website is choosehappypodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at choosehappypod or send us an email at choosehappypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks.